Welcome to Great Companies, Great Leaders. I'm your host, Christine Gannon. I am the founder and CEO of Brightworks Consulting, and we are a boutique consulting firm helping companies solve for DEI at the local level, whether it's developing an entire strategy or it's just providing the latest best practices and policies. We offer a roadmap for companies to improve their culture. And today we're honored to host another phenomenal leader. We have Kristen Slice who is the Director of Community Entrepreneurship at ASU, Arizona State University, ASU's J. Oren Edson Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. Welcome. Welcome. You got the whole title in and everything. I well know. Done. Don't say it three times fast. As exactly. The, as the Director of Community Entrepreneurship, Kristen helps develop local entrepreneurial ecosystems, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and supports the activation of place-based innovation spaces networks. Kristen is a community builder. I can totally vouch for that. Working with entrepreneurs and community partners to create thriving entrepreneurial ecosystems, she has led several transformative ecosystem building projects in a diversity of communities. She's an alum of ASU. She has a master's in organizational communications from Texas A&M, and she has a variety of professional certifications as a small business counselor, a mentor, and a facilitator. Welcome. Yay. That's, yeah. And now you also reminded me I need to up that, update that. I just got another <laughs> certification that's on there. So thank you for that, uh, for the introduction and the yeah. amazing reading of the bio. Reminder, I got to, I'll put that on my to-do yes. list. Yes. Well, so excited that you're with us today. Can you start, um, let's start our conversation with a little bit about your career journey. How did you get to where you are today? Great question. I mean, it's always a wandering one, right? Which is why it always makes a fascinating podcast topic is a, a much like we talk about the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, and mine is very much so an entrepreneurial journey in the way that you start one place, uh, different times you have different roles, and you never quite know where it started. Uh, I would actually say a lot of my journey started. So I'm a Phoenix native, uh, went to Arizona State University for my undergrad. And in college is really where I started to explore the part of me that was a community builder. Uh, it was, you know, going, I was working full time, going to school. And for me, a degree really provided me with opportunities to explore like what I liked and what I didn't like and what I liked about learning. Uh, and in a haphazard way, and this is a, a pretty good story, like I was originally in theater and in high school, I loved theater, I loved performing, but when I went to college, had to work full-time, didn't have the capacity. And then I was sitting in a class one day and a graduate student, one of the TAs came in and he goes, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. And he handed me a flyer for the vagina monologues audition. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and uh, I was kind of, first it taken back, grew up in the yeah. suburbs, right? right? And I was like, what? <laughs> what does this even mean? And right. he was like, you know, uh, he goes, it, it's a fundraiser. They raise around $60,000 every year uh, and they give it back to different nonprofits. And it's on the weekends. I know you've talked to, and I had shared with him before that I really missed my public speaking, my theater, because I didn't have time. But I was a volunteer, so it was a much lower bar just on Saturday. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity opportunity. I got involved with that. And on our very first training, our very first meeting, uh, one of the leaders said, hey, uh, every year we give away this money and there's a real need on our campus. What would it look like for us to build something here? And so I got involved with uh, what was a project that we called Home Safe, uh, that was building the first violence prevention resource center on campus. And wow. to me, that was really one of the first places that I kind of learned about the entrepreneurial journey, right? 
solving a problem, what is a problem, how do I solve it, and not knowing what it looked like along the way, and just kind of throwing it in, and uh, I ended up working there full-time, like working there as my second full-time job by the time I was a senior in college, wow. they hired me to do their education, outreach, and marketing, and communication pieces, so I stayed busy with that, and then my master's degree, I moved on to uh, organizational communication with an emphasis in gender work because I thought that was fascinating and that had kind of been my path and I knew I wasn't quite done with school. Uh, and on the very first day at Texas A&M, my mentor sat me down and looked at me and goes, you know, you're not an academic. I'm not sure why you're in this academic program. And I said, okay, um, well, you accepted me into this program. I just moved to Texas. So uh, do we have a problem? She goes, no, I, I think you... She goes, I, I've read your stuff. She goes, first, you can't write. So that's a problem. And I said, she goes, let me guess. You go in and talk to your professors before you turn in papers. So I was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so, yeah, I could tell. And she goes, the second is, she goes, you've, you've got a lot of great ideas. Clearly, you are, are fascinated by the world. She goes, but I could tell that you're not, you know, that you're going to need to go out. And she said, get beat up a little bit. Hmm. And I said, okay, I'm not sure what that means. And she goes, well, before you land in academia. And so she actually gave me my very first consulting contract. She goes, I have a project for you. They were starting, she had read my resume. They were starting a, um, a, gender, camp, a gender center on A&M's campus. She goes, I need an analysis of all of the mission and value statements for all the other centers on university campuses wow. uh, so that I can bring that to the board. We're willing to pay X amount. We were setting aside for a consultant. Would you be willing to do that? Loved it. Absolutely loved the work. And I think that was like, again, just another kind of iteration. And I ended up working in a nonprofit to start with, uh, came out of graduate school and started working at a domestic violence uh, center here in campus or here on campus in Phoenix. And then very quickly realized, like, I, I remember being actively told, like, no, we just sit and wait for money to come in. And there was something about it that just didn't work for me. And so I looked around and said, you know, I, I know I love community. I know I love giving back. And one of the things I recognized very quickly was all of the people who were giving back, I mean, actively on the board, building out, fundraising, doing things, were women business owners. And I, I noted that and said, how might I help that community? And what does that look like? So that looked like a couple of different iterations. It looked like then working for somebody who had a women's coaching firm, uh, then starting my own marketing firm that specialized in working in women's entrepreneurship. And then I, I ended up sort of stumbling into a job with a small business development center. They needed yeah. to have me come in and help with some a particular project that continued to grow. And that was really my first foray into economic development work and working with entrepreneurship and more of a formal capacity outside of my own job as an entrepreneur. So then I, I grew and had a marketing firm named Three Dog Marketing that we sold. I had a consulting firm where I worked with business incubators across the country. And then fast forward, the last kind of major milestone on the story was... Um, one of my major efforts in Phoenix was with my consulting firm, I was traveling a lot and I was having conversations nationally that sounded like, yes, we need more brilliant minds, no matter who they are at the table to get the greatest value. And then I'd come home to Phoenix and I wasn't getting the same traction. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting the same feedback. And so I started kind of a local grassroots initiative. So how come I could network every hour of every day at a women's event in Phoenix, but we're not moving the needle in the same way other parts of the country are. And so that's when I actually started working with what at the time was entrepreneurship and innovation. So the team within ASU, uh, and it was kind of my moonshot project. We executed the largest 
this research study of women business owners in the state of Arizona and created a report from that. And I was also pregnant with my second child at the time, uh, got, had given birth and then uh, gave birth to my, my son. Two weeks later, we released the report. So I was on stage uh, after giving birth, looking like a hot mess, right? But I was like, we will get that report out. Like I am hell or high water because it took so many val like so many amazing volunteers to make that happen. I was like, so me giving birth is not going to stop the release of this wow. report by any means. Uh, and the leader of the team at the time, um, Jimmy Choi, came up to me afterwards and she said, you know, uh, that's amazing work that you've done here. Let's talk about you know your future, what that looks like. I have a project coming up, and she knew I was from the West Valley, and she said I, I need some support with that. And so that's how I became part of the Edson Entrepreneurship and Innovation Team, have been here for five years, part of the ASU entrepreneurial ecosystem, supporting out a diversity of entrepreneurs and helping build entrepreneurial ecosystem. And my role here at ASU has really taught me a lot about that cross-section of the academic piece that I enjoy, which is thinking strategically, uh, evidence-based approaches, having, you know, thought process and being really strategic around how we build communities. How do we support entrepreneurs? How do we do that from an inclusive lens? Mm -hmm. uh, that's really been the gift in working here. And it's still allowed me to do the level of impact that I care deeply about uh, and really helping to empower and provide that power of entrepreneurship to any innovator who wants to solve a challenge out in the world. So that's kind of the abbreviated, non-abbreviated version of my journey. Okay, so I've known you for several years and I learned so much about you, but two things. One, I have a whole new appreciation for you being oh. pregnant and releasing research and reports and all of the data related to such an important topic. That, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, I I, I appreciate that it was a lot and a piece of like the 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 key there was I was really bad at being pregnant and I was really bad at like, like, I'm not somebody like, literally it was like, they're like, well, you can't work for four weeks. And I was like, well, that sounds awful. Uh, and so what, I'm just going to sit and stare at this kid. Like that, right? he's not even doing anything. He's just sitting there. I could do stuff. Uh, so it was a hundred percent like my, like, yep. Cause I giving birth, not fun for those of us who haven't done it. It's not great. Right. So it was definitely like a, okay, well, I can focus on this piece of it. Uh, but also it was just such a, I had such an appreciation at the time, especially like I said, that that was really, truly a community project. So if it wouldn't have been for the fact that there were so many amazing, a team really that had created that, right. I just happened to be the first person that kind of sat at the table. And so it, it probably wouldn't have been if it wasn't for the fact that I was doing very little work of that like final push. And we really had so many people contributing to it that all I had to do is, you know, tape up my shirt so that it looks decent and, you know, squeeze myself into some yoga pants to get down to an event. So that was, uh, it was an really interesting gave, journey. You gave birth to like two, right? Both I mean, of them. Yes. Right. It's like one birth. I'll let anybody guess which one was more painful. <laughs> like, like it was the coin flip at any given oh moment. Oh my goodness. Okay, so what I heard, something I heard you talk about was entrepreneurial ecosystems, and it's fascinating what that is and how that comes together, and you are the master expert at this. So can you talk a little bit about what is an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial ecosystem, and why is it important in a community? Yeah, so it's, first, it is a 
a term that we probably say too often, right? Because, and especially now it definitely has a jargony feel to it. So I will say lots of different people often mean different things because it is yeah. a buzzword, right? So you'll hear people say, well, the ecosystem, right? Uh, how I define entrepreneurial ecosystem and, and what the field defines entrepreneurial ecosystem as is we have now gone through different waves of understanding how to support and help entrepreneurship. There is a growing field that now is looking at and understanding that it isn't the development or support of one individual entrepreneur, but the greatest indicator for an entrepreneur's success or multiple entrepreneur's success within a given community is a plethora of resources, a dense network mm -hmm. of people all committed to working towards supporting that entrepreneur, right? Uh, and so a dense network of peers, mentors, resources, and the most important element that makes an entrepreneurial ecosystem different from other approaches to entrepreneurship is not just a list of are those things there, but how do they interact? Mm. And how, do, how does the flow of information occur and does it occur evenly across that? And so that's really what makes a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. So an entrepreneurial ecosystem is all of the elements, knowledge, skills, peers, mentors, support processes that go into a community that builds a culture that allows for a quick flow of those elements across a diverse community of innovators. That is awesome. And it's integrated. Right. Correct. Which yes. Is the power really in all of that? It's so integrated. It is. And, and it, it pulls from an, I'm an analogy person. And so, you know, it literally comes from biology and understanding that originally, and this was the example that makes sense, right, to me was originally when we were trying to help animals that were endangered, right? At the end of the day, we were looking at this one specific animal. Right. But what they figured out is if we took, you know, whatever animal, let's pretend it's, you know, a rare wolf, right? And we just take those, breed them in captivity, and then release them into the wild. The chances of them surviving without changing any of the environment mm -hmm. are very slim, right. right? We have to consider that animal's food source, how it interacts with the food, how it in interacts with the environment. Have we changed the environment? Uh, how about the relationship between the wolves, right? And right. how do we make sure that they're not in it? So it's, it's highly integrated. I think it is um, a change to be the different waves of entrepreneur, the different waves of economic development. And they, they usually categorize it by three different waves um, to three different waves that have looked at it was, you know, traditionally let's bring the big companies in, right? And then there was another wave that was like, okay, what if we also help, you know, build small business owners and bring big companies in? And this third wave is also this added layer of how do we think more holistically mm -hmm. about entrepreneurs, the environment that they're part of, the big companies, the middle companies, and the small companies. And one of the things that they talk about a lot at Kauffman Foundation that I completely agree with is entrepreneurship at the end of the day is a community sport. And yeah. however you define entrepreneurs, right? And we define it very broadly. That includes artists, people like yourself, right? Small business owners, if you are taking an innovative idea, moving it forward to solve a problem, you are an entrepreneur, right? And so the more people we can get to think entrepreneurially within a community and thinking holistically about their journey and the resources they need, the more a community thrives, the more a community is resilient. And we especially saw that in COVID time, right? That right. it wasn't just one element that we could pull a lever and hope that that, you know, that 
put some money towards those businesses and things would solve. We really had to think about the, the levels and the integration of all of these systems and how do we support the totality of our communities. Such a powerful vision and a visual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked a little bit about this right now, but also I wanted to pull this out of your bio, which is place-based innovation spaces, which are part of this ecosystem mm-hmm. and a powerful one. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, one part of my portfolio, and uh, because I am part of the J. Orrin Edson Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute, so part of ASU, and we're kind of a unique institute that's housed within ASU with the vision of giving access to entrepreneurship, because entrepreneurship is across ASU. It's part of our design aspirations. It's part of Michael Crow's vision and our charter, which really does at ASU, we live it, we breathe it, we operate from it all the time. My team was designed to help because we have entrepreneurship across every aspect of the university, from the design school, all the way through to you know the facilities management. And so our team was created to help ensure that there's access and kind of cohesion across all of these elements within ASU mm. for entrepreneurship and innovation. Now, an important part of our charter is also we have a, if you look up ASU's charter, it's very good. The last sentence is we take a social and economic responsibility for the communities in which we are embedded. Mm. So the idea is that ASU is of the community, we create knowledge for social good, that we're creating a practice and we're part of the community. So all of that is background to say that uh, an element or the way that our team expresses that is through a series of place-based innovation spaces. Currently we have five uh, and the general idea is again, it's a density of network and a piece of those resources that entrepreneurs need an element within the ecosystem to really thrive. So of our five spaces and we call them place-based innovation spaces because each of them is very unique depending mm-hmm. on the needs of the community. Uh, the idea is you can probably walk into each and get a feel for each of them. You know, our coffee pots are the same, you know that we're gonna have the same kind of setup and rules, but each of them is highly localized depending on the community and the community's needs that are part of it. They also serve as a conduit between university and all of the innovation that comes from being, you know, the number one in innovation for eight years. There's brilliant ideas, students, thinkers, ideas that are within the university. How do we make sure that there's a collision point between all of that brilliance and the communities that we're embedded in and our place-based innovation spaces were really designed to be a conduit for that. So for any of our spaces, you can hold entrepreneurial events for free, as long as the events are free and open and accessible for everybody. Uh, You can come and do collaborative workspace, meaning that bring your laptop, you know, it's not a co-working space. You can't sit down and work all day and not talk to people. They're designed where you're going to meet people and you're going to be able to sit and interact, but still have a level of focus that is needed for entrepreneurship. And then third, all of our spaces are uh, creatively designed to encourage innovation, meaning they're flexible in design, they're hybrid by its nature, uh, they're creative. And so all three of those things happen in our spaces. We've got a team of, uh, I think five different community managers that manage those spaces that make them available to community members and kind of activate them as part of all of the communities in which ASU is embedded. Is that only in Arizona, those five? Currently, the five are in Arizona. They're in the Phoenix, across the Phoenix metro area. And our team, again, that's a piece of it, similar to what you've seen even in the West Valley. We even have partnerships that are outside of that place-based network. Okay. And so we are very focused on how do we make sure that, again, we meet the community needs. And there's a couple of communities that don't necessarily need a standing physical space right. yet, right? They're not there in their development. So we do have partnerships and projects in other cities. Uh, but those five are currently in the Phoenix area, but, you know, 
ASU is a national model, so there'll definitely be opportunities. And we, we do partake in a couple of different spaces, including in Washington, DC, and ASU now has a building in LA as well that we help program and activate. Okay. When you were talking about these five areas, I was thinking about, um, we just had Microsoft the last few years come into mm-hmm. the state, right? And mm-hmm. bring their data centers and jobs. And before they even started to build, because the groundwork had been laid by ASU in terms of thinking about community, they came in and they held a community town hall to say, we want to know what can we do? We want to invest in the community before we get here, we know we're bringing jobs and we're investing in that, but what can we do to invest in what this community needs where these data centers will sit and, and then put action behind it, put funding and investment and action. And, and it was very um, encouraging to the community. The community felt this strong fabric of connectivity to this new organization coming in. So there's so much power in that place-based strategy. It is. And, and, the role of a university across the board is often to be a convener, right? Mm-hmm. We're not entrepreneurs. And, right. and one of the things that we know about in entrepreneurial ecosystem building is it's important to know what your role is, right? And there has been other universities that take more of a central role and it doesn't work out necessarily because of the power dynamic right. that's involved right. with that. But as a convener, we have the power to bring some of those organizations to the table, right? And, and to say, hey, to be part of this community, what are your anticipations, right? So we get to set, you know, some of the values, which is why I think that the charter within ASU and the work we do is so powerful is because we often uh, serve as an advocate. How are you giving back? What does it look like for you to mentor? How are you talking to our students? How are you talking to our local entrepreneurs? And so we often even facilitate those. And last week, you two weeks ago, participated in Innovation Night, right? Very similar. Yep, TSMC, if you're going to be part of this community, the community needs to understand you. You need to understand the community. So ASU has served as a a convener in a variety of ways to make sure that that we can kind of facilitate that knowledge transfer and that conversation amongst the community. And I think we still have a lot of work to do. One of the great things about Phoenix is, you know, it is a relatively new ecosystem. It is still a relatively new community. We've done a lot of great work. And if I had a magic wand, one of the things I would love to see more of is there's still a pretty decent gap between mid-size and large companies and the local community. I'd love to see further conversations. And I think right now it is still very transactional at times. People see it as like, oh, well, we'll reach out to them when we want sponsorship for something. Uh, And I think it's, we just haven't had the muscle memory yet to know what else could we ask for? What is a more innovative approach? What does partnership really look like? The more we continue to grow and explore and are open to innovative ideas around it, the more I think we're going to have that kind of connective tissue that really builds out all of those layers of the ecosystem effectively to help that flow from entrepreneurs, start small businesses all the way up to the large guys. Did you see that in Texas or have you seen that model where the fabric is tight with Mm -hmm. that? Have you seen that? Oh yeah, there's a couple of communities that uh, many people often vote, like will point to as great examples of, you know, network density. So I mean, you have, and this is one of the things in the field. Originally, they started with obviously San Francisco, right? And it was like, okay, what was the Bay Area model there? And they said, how do we replicate that? Now, 
the Bay Area and that model is not without its challenges, right? That model works really well for a very small demographic of people. And so now they've started looking at, okay, what are some of the other cities? And so, you know, traditionally outside of looking at how do we just take San Francisco and make other Silicon Valleys and other places, right? New York, Boston have always been, you know, hotbeds. Chicago's another one. But for me, what's more interesting is the ones that are now looking at how do we develop that same density of networks, that same thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. And when I say these cities, the way I describe it is um, as somebody who travels, what are the cities you want to travel to, right? Mm -hmm. Austin, how many people have you talked to in the last year that have been to Denver, right? That are going to Colorado Springs is a really great example. Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, seeing some great things out of Nashville, right? And so you can tell when an entrepreneurial ecosystem is thriving because they're places you want to travel to, meaning they've got good food, they've got a good art scene. They've really been able to embrace a lot of the elements that make entrepreneurship and make a community thrive. And it kind of works all the way up the chain. So those are a couple of the examples. I could tell you when we look at other similar numbers, so we do a lot of cross comparison to the Phoenix metro area, um, we pull from Salt Lake a lot. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee is the other example that are probably the two prime ones that we that we often refer to. I've seen some really great work come out of Albuquerque. Uh, and so Albuquerque, New Mexico has got some really cool projects that are up and running. Okay. Um, and I think, a, again, the opportunity of the field is we know we have a pretty good feel of, hey, here's where some of these things are working what is working there that is transferable to other communities in a way that is authentic and scalable right. and is measurable is what is currently on the cutting edge of the discussion of entrepreneurial ecosystem building and entrepreneurship. And so that's where we're still having, um, I think, some, some interesting discussion uh, that we're looking at is how do we do that effectively? Awesome. I feel like we could talk about this for three days. So I'm, I'm minimum <laughs> minimum three days. Um, so a couple last questions, because I feel like you've given the audience and our listeners so much information. I, I can't I can't wait for them to go find you online, find all the cool things that you're working on, all the opportunities that they can engage at the local level. So let's talk about people who are, are thinking about entrepreneurship or thinking about advancing in their career and taking on this journey, what advice would you give them? What's a lesson learned maybe? Uh, great question. And I'll, I'll tie it into uh, two different things. And I think the, the most, because I know your, your podcast and the, hopefully the people still listening to us, right, that haven't tuned <laughs> yes. us out, are, are often great leaders, right, within organizations. And one of the things that I would like immediately say is an important element is that the entrepreneurial mindset how to approach things uh, is equally as important as entrepreneurship. And if you are a leader within a company that is not thinking about what is the next trend problem that nobody is solving and how to move forward, that's honestly why we see most companies either wither and die 
or not get past that initial startup stage, mm-hmm. right? And when I say startup, I mean like a small business, you know, if you were, and usually it's right at a million dollars where you'll hit, right, that kind of window where you really need to think innovatively about what is the next opportunity? How are we going to rapidly scale up? That entrepreneurship and that entrepreneurial mindset is re- an entrepreneurial spirit is really critical for any organization, right? And of all those elements I talked about, if you're listening to this, you're like, it's interesting, but what the hell do I care about an entrepreneurial ecosystem? The idea is that no matter what organization you you know you are part of, the size, nonprofit, for-profit complexity, that flow of resources, that flow of innovation, that flow of flow of ideas is critical mm-hmm. for you to stay on the cutting edge. And if anything, especially what staying on the cutting edge does, and what we learned during COVID, is things can be going along great. But if you're not looking forward thinking, you can the level of resilience is just non-existent, right? Like all it takes is one change in the system and you're kind of cut on your heels, right? We're even seeing big tech companies, right? That are kind of, that have got kind of complacent in their entrepreneurial thinking. And, you know, here we are, right? So I would say for anybody, whether you're in your career, you're looking at a re-career, I would encourage them to let go of the way that it needs to look, right? And instead focus on, and this is what we teach in the entrepreneurial mindset, what is a problem you're passionate about solving? Mm -hmm. How do you solve that problem in a way that works for the people you're solving it for and find a market fit for that, right? And that can look, I work for the man, right? At times it's working for the man, right? And it looks a lot of different ways in the journey. It might not even be starting your own venture, right? It might be rethinking your current business you're part of or rethinking your role. But the more that you can kind of identify what is that problem and the more you can listen, right? Mm -hmm. Who has this problem? How do I solve it for them? How do I think innovatively or differently about how to solve it for them versus telling them what I think it needs to look? I think the entire world can benefit from that entrepreneurial spirit to solve problems, but especially as an individual, it frees you from having specific timelines or taglines that are so limited because right now the world looks so many different ways. So really it's that embracing of the entrepreneurial mindset and that entrepreneurial approach of solving problems don't get attached to what it looks like, listen deeply and just keep iterating and figuring it out, knowing that failure, which is a tough one for a lot of people, especially for a lot of women, is part of the game. And it's not that it's you have to be okay with failing, just fail small, right? right? And learn from it and keep moving forward. So I'm thinking how timely this is because whether, you know, every day it changes, whether we're in COVID or not, or we're going into a recession or we're already in one, that entrepreneurial mindset for those problems that are in our environment right now is key mm-hmm. for people being A, resilient and B, successful in the midst, right? They have mm-hmm. to, they will ha- will all have to keep that entrepreneurial mindset moving into 2023, regardless of how all this unfolds. You got it. And I think that sometimes the the negative and in the last couple of years, we've gotten so accused, mm. uh, so accustomed to trauma bonding, right? like by right. focusing on the negative, right? And yes. that's how we kind of interact with each other now that it's hard to get into that solution. So it's how do you recognize, yep, this is happening in the environment. This is a problem. But here's where we can create a solution. And I think that that is really like, and what does that solution look like? And how do you learn to operate knowing like, yep, this is a challenge. 
get into that solution mindset and keep moving forward is a valuable asset, especially going into the new year and whatever might come next for, for us as a, as a group. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Let's finish with who's your hero. Good question. So, um, I am prone to hero worship in the way that I, I didn't like grow up with somebody that I was like, oh, that's my hero, right? And so right. I do like every week I will hear somebody new doing something cool. It's an occupational hazard. And I'll be like, that is cool and brilliant. And I love it. Uh, I listen to different podcasts that I'll then like, I'm a podcast listener and I'll be like, this is the coolest person I've ever heard, right? And I get very prone to hero worship. Uh so I, I do have a lot of heroes. If I had to say one that's always consistently like showed up for me, um, I am an Arizona girl. So Sandra Day O'Connor, oh, uh, I've yeah. heard her speak. I, I was privileged to be able to hear her speak a couple of times. Uh, she had to me that like Arizona independent cowgirl mm -hmm. kind of spirit that really spoke to me. Uh, she was very straightforward. I saw her, you know, towards the end where she was very like, I remember somebody asking her like on a panel that you could tell she did not want to be part of this bullshit panel. Like, and that was literally like, she like said it, like, I don't want to be part of this bullshit panel uh, that like she was talking about. So it was like, you know, you've said, you know, people have told you that, you know, people who, women who don't mentor women, she goes, need to burn in hell. Like that was her answer. I was like, the greatest thing I've ever heard. Right. And she goes, she goes, but it doesn't need to be a big thing. Just help people be nice, right. fine. <laughs> right. And I so I, that moment love for it. me was like a big one that like, if I had to say enduring across my career, I think she's also just another one that was always grounded in who she was and kind of what her values were and looked a lot of different roles at different times. So right. a lot of those things to me just really speak to. And at the end of the day, she made history. Like she there's, did. she is like a fundamental, like, and so in Arizona, yes. we, we have a couple of them and she's a big one. So I would say that's yes. probably my, uh, my go-to hero answer. She's also a trailblazer. You both totally. have a lot in common. You have a lot in common with her in terms of blazing new trails and, and fearless, right? And, uh, and, and inability to cut out curse words. Those would be like the other <laughs> two. And a love of margaritas. That was the other okay. thing that she shared that was like, oh my God, this woman is my spirit animal. We're soul sisters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kristen, it's always good to chat with you. Thank you for all that you shared today. Where Thank can you. people find you and the great work that you're doing? You got it. So my name is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, sliced like a slice of pizza, S-L-I-C-E. Lots of different places. Our website for our team is entrepreneurship.asu.edu, where you can find out about all of our uh, different programs. And there's many pathways that entrepreneurship shows up across the community. LinkedIn is a great place to get hold of me, Kristen Slice on there. Uh, and then feel free to follow the Edson Entrepreneurship ASU team on any given social media platform. Form. You can see us on LinkedIn. You can also find us on Instagram. We've got lots of great events, opportunities. When in doubt, feel free to reach out to me, kristen.slice at asu.edu. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to everybody for listening in. Brightworks Consulting hosts this podcast and YouTube channel to spotlight the leadership around the world that is changing lives. Brightworks offers a myriad of consulting services in the public and private sector to include diversity, equity, and inclusion solutions for any size company. You can find us at www.brightworksconsulting.com. We're honored to have Best Companies AZ as a presenting sponsor for this podcast. Best Companies AZ is your number one source for regional employer branding. 
You can find them at www.bestcompaniesaz.com.